On this week's episode, Atari hits 50. A photo finish at the box office. And is phase four making sense out of the MCU? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review on apple podcasts plus if you can like share subscribe or do whatever you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day right there at pop culture cosmos on facebook plus also as well we are the number one tabletop rpg streamer out there on facebook so go ahead check out what we're doing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, plus all of our social media as well. And if you could do all that, including the great stuff at Humanica Media and all the things that we do at popculturecosmos.com as well. And if you could do all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Dragon Ball Z of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, and humanicamedia.com, plus his great shows, the Super BS Gamescast, and also the entire library full of great shows at Topicocalypse, plus his amazing book, which you can get right now. I'm hoping it goes on sale for Prime Day, but you never know. Go ahead and get it anyways while you can. That is, congratulations, you suck. And that's available now at Amazon and Barnes Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? All right, so let me say something real quick. I've been seeing a lot of stuff for the the Elvis movie. Did you get a chance to watch that? No, no, but we will be talking about here in just a few seconds. Okay, all right. Yeah, because, man, I tell you, like, I want to watch this movie. Like, where did this kid Austin Butler come from? This is, it's crazy. Like, he's, I've never seen an actor really personify their part as much as he's personifying Elvis. It's amazing. Absolutely. And he's being critically lauded for it. His whole persona and the way he encapsulates Elvis has been appreciated by so many out there. In fact, he is driving this movie to success. How much success? We'll go ahead and talk about the Battle of the Box Office here in a minute. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about the 50th anniversary. Happy 50th for Atari. Yes, that means you are old if you know the beginnings of Atari out there. But we'll talk about our Atari memories as well. Plus, The Boys, Episode 6, Herogasm. And we'll see what we can talk about on a family-friendly show. Can't talk a whole lot about The Boys Episode 6, but we'll tell you why. If you're a big fan of The Boys, you need to check out Episode 6 as well. Plus, Ben Arnault is stopping by. He's going to be talking about the MCU and where it stands in Phase 4. Is it where he wants it to be? Is it where we both like it to be? Heading into the final parts of Phase 4 and into Phase 5, are we as confident of what's going on in the MCU as we once were with the previous phases in the MCU? We're going to talk about that coming up in a bit. And also as well, Sega's Hyenas. Could Sega's Hyenas bring Sega back to a place of glory that only Sonic the Hedgehog has seemed to do? We'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend... It is the battle at the box office. You said it, Elvis. And it's so funny that, you know, for all this time, each and every week, we always prognosticate or you always hear the analysts. They 
always kind of predict where the movie's going to fall and shake out on a worldwide and also domestic U.S. basis. And this weekend, they had that planned. If everything goes according to plan, they figured it would be a $30 million opening. Well, lo and behold, my friend, the totals have come out, or at least the projected box office for this weekend. The final totals won't come out until after the show goes on air, but it looks like in a photo finish that Elvis will hit $30.5 million, almost to the dollar amount as far as what the analysts are saying. So it's going to finish right around $30.5 million. Plus, it will be right now in a photo finish with, of all movies, my friend, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick had another slight decline, which is a great hold for that type of film that's been out five weeks. And that is also hitting right around $30.5 million as well. So I ask you, my friend, is this a win for Elvis? I think it is because, like you said, people are talking about Austin Butler's performance on it. They're not talking about Tom Hanks per se and whether or not they like the transformation into Colonel Tom Parker, his accent, anything like that. They're talking about Austin Butler, and I think that's a good thing for this movie entitled Elvis. Right. Yeah. I mean, so my wife was showing me footage of him on the Jimmy Fallon show. And like I'd seen trailers for it and, you know, it was whatever. But like actually seeing this this guy in real life, like awesome, but not in real life, but on the screen, you know, in an interview setting and just seeing the way that he like he acts and the way he's able to just like snap back into character like this kid is amazing. You know, well, he's not a kid, but, you know, this guy's amazing. Like how where's he been? You know, I've seen him in the the Sonara Chronicles on MTV, which was not like a great show and it got canceled. But that was the only other thing I'd seen him in. And I didn't think he had the acting chops that he's demonstrating on this movie, you know, and then they jumped into another trailer of the movie. And like all of a sudden I got these goosebumps, you know, I'm like, oh, dude, I got to see this movie. So. There's never been a trailer that's really like enticed me to the movie theaters like this has. So I really want to see this movie. Also, I'm looking at, you know, you're talking about Top Gun Maverick, like it's at a billion dollars. But you know what else is almost at a billion dollars that you said wouldn't make it to a billion dollars? What's that? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I think you are correct because I did say that it was looking when right around $915 million that it would probably not have enough momentum to get to a billion dollars unless a worldwide it would really give it some help so i think you're probably right i did say that and it predicted that it would be right around a billion dollars going into the movie but it was just looking like it was not going to do enough as yeah. far as and once it reached over 900 kind of had a lot of slowed momentum plus the fact that it's now on disney plus is not going to help matters in this, right. in this thing. So yeah, yeah it's, it's about fifty-five million off of that one billion mark. So it's going to have to do it overseas because it's not going to do it here domestically. Because again, it hit Disney Plus. So I think it's going to be kind of iffy if it actually reaches a billion dollars. Maybe Disney will do just enough for it as far as mm -hmm. promotion around the world to get it over that billion-dollar mark. But yeah. we'll see. Like you said, fifty million away. You never know. But in the case of Top Gun Maverick, because it still has all this momentum domestically, it's just reached over $500 million here in the U.S. It is certainly a $1 billion hit. It is actually Tom Cruise's biggest hit. So let me ask you this. Does this mean that Top Gun has another movie in store outside of Maverick? You know, that's a good question. I don't think anyone expected Top Gun Maverick to do the numbers that it did. And it's the original came out in the 80s, right? Like it's a yes. Yeah. So anyone who grew up in that era and watched Top Gun and but I mean, it just had the fortunate timing of like being a movie that's still in theaters around Father's Day. It had a lot of things working in its favor. That's not to say that it, it's not worthy of another sequel, but I just I'm curious how much is going to be able to be mined out of this property, though, before people are like, that was not good, you know? Yeah, I hear you, my friend. We'll see what happens, but it is Top Gun Maverick, which is past this week, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as the largest worldwide gross for 2022. The Batman is right now in third. Jurassic World Dominion should pass it up in fourth at some point in time, so we'll see what happens there, but what I want to ask you this as we close out our conversation, again, Jurassic World Dominion looks like it's going to place itself in third. Lightyear, which is 
I guess you're going to have to say it's going to be a disappointment because it dropped all the way down to fifth because the black phone has exceeded expectations and gone into the low 20s as far as the millions of dollars for a domestic opening with Ethan Hawke heading that movie. And that probably means you're going to see a sequel to this film because it only costs $15 million to make. So I want to ask you this. When it comes to the, I guess the numbers, when it comes to what we're seeing with Lightyear, even with Chris Evans fronting this film, it just doesn't seem like the return of Pixar to the big screen was a good one for Disney and Pixar. I don't think it was the right property to do that. I think they're really clinging to this idea that Chris Evans was voicing Buzz Lightyear is going to take them to fame and fortune. But look at this. Like Lightyear is, this is a property based on a property. You know, so it's like, it's a weird thing. Like, I don't think anyone ever sat down and was like, you know what? I would really love a Buzz Lightyear origin story. And I think that it's not so much the problem of it being you know, whatever it was or like Pixar making it or the, like the, the day it came out though. I think that was a big issue. I just think that there's a movie nobody really wanted to watch. You know, nobody was really calling for that. If it was a, like a Pixar original movie, like something that just like came out of, you know, left field or whatever. Like, I think it probably would have done more than $110 million. I agree with you on that. I just think again, it was kind of disappointing. I feel bad for my friend that works at, Pixar, I feel bad for the individuals at Pixar because they were really looking forward to a return to the big screen of Pixar movies. And this now puts in question as far as the future for Pixar movies on the big screen because they do so well as far as Turning Red has been an absolutely huge hit on Disney Plus that maybe they'll look more towards in the future of putting Pixar movies on Disney+. Well, I also look at this as an issue, you know, outside the Marvel movies, of course, but I think that any Disney movie that is going to come into theaters is not going to do so well anymore because of how fast, and we talked about this before, but like how fast it lands on Disney+. Plus. Yes, yes or no. I mean, Encanto didn't do so bad in the theaters. Right, it did not do so bad in theaters. But it took but off in Disney Plus. It took You're off right. on Disney Plus. So you have a lot of people now who are coming to the realization, especially when we're looking at the prices of everything in the world right now, right? Like I went out to breakfast with my family the other day and this restaurant we go to is usually packed. Nobody in there, right? Because people are not doing things that they once did. Because Like inflation, I think, is honestly like the inflation we're experiencing now is going to affect the box office returns right now. Like we're seeing these movies take off, but I also feel like we're not going to see something cross a billion dollars for a while because of just how much everything in life costs. So if you're looking at that and you're like, well, why don't I wait six weeks and just watch it on Disney plus and save the $85 it costs to take my family to the theaters. I think there's a lot of people in that boat. Well, we'll find out as far as that's for sure with Thor love and thunder, because that's coming up in the not too distant future. It's gotten, already some people saying "Mm, people are going to really like Thor Love and Thunder. Well, we'll see what happens there. I think that will be the litmus test for Disney Mm -hmm. movies going forward. But we want to hear your thoughts on the photo finish for the box office with Top Gun Maverick and Elvis battling out for the top spot here in the States and worldwide. It still has the momentum Top Gun Maverick does as it reaches a billion dollars. Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we hit the break, and Ben Arnault, on the other side of it, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick, (laughs) the boy's hero-gasm, and that's probably about the most I can say about as far as elaborate on a family-friendly show that we do for episode six. If somebody asked me about the boys and say they've never seen the boys and they would only want to see one episode of the boys... I would probably say of all the episodes that have been shown so far, I would probably show them this one. It took a good season that was doing a lot of character development that wasn't providing as much of the action or cohesion that I wanted to go ahead and see from the boys that I saw in season one and season two. And it threw that out the window and really did a great job of going ahead and telling its narrative along with the -the over-the-top gore 
and also over-the-top M-rated action and content that we've known from the boys. It is, I think, the best episode of the boys I've seen in three seasons. So I want to hear your thoughts on the boys episode six. I know you have not had a chance to see it yet, but when you watch the boys and you know, it comes up for episode six, cause you've heard about a lot in the news. I know in the past 24, 48 hours, what goes through your mind as you reach the boys episode six? You know, I've been reading about this and I heard that this perfectly summarizes what the series is. It's une- unexpected gore, crude jokes, everything that, makes the boys so surreal in a world of like you know the the superhero movies that paint pictures of heroes as being these like people without flaws like it really paints a picture of what this series is and what it does for people and i'm trying to get to this episode i just haven't seen it yet but you know i'm glad that the boys is still going strong after all these years i hear jensen ackles is actually really good in the show too just took the words right out of my mouth jensen ackles is doing his sensational job as the captain america spoof character per se soldier boy his performance in this almost mirrors what i like so much about anthony Starr's homelander really think that it's worth watching just for that alone. Yeah, because I, I heard that Eric Kripke got him onto the show, but he still had to audition for the part. Like, it wasn't given to him. So he, like, worked for it, and he's actually, like, it it fits who he is as an actor really well. So I'm, you know, I'm excited to, when I get to that part, to see what's going on with him. It is so crazy, my friend. It is absolutely an episode that is totally nuts. I can't elaborate or give you any spoilers on it from here, because if I did, I think the FCC would shut us down. So unfortunately, I'm not able to do that. It is a very NSFW. It is a very MA-rated episode. It is something that has to be seen to be believed, but it is a very good episode. It is actually the best episode of The Boys I've seen to date. And this is a show, especially the first season and second season, which I had such high praise for and acclaim as some of the best viewing on television. Season three started off, again, pretty good, not too bad, did a lot of character building, so it took a different change of pace, but it took that and kicked in in a higher gear with one of the best episodes I've seen of the year of anything on television in Herogasm episode six. So, whew. Man, I tell you what, it is just something, again, it has to be seen to be believed. So if you're into mature rated content, it is definitely not for the kids. Amazon, I think, deserves praise from me for letting this go where it needs to go. That's kind of expected from them, though. Like That's why a lot of people are going to streaming services, though. It's almost like an expectation. If you're going to be watching something or producing something on a streaming service, you're going to have the ability to go places that other people might not go or other channels would you know other, maybe other cable, channels like your broadcasting exactly like you when you're writing something for us like look at game of thrones like every episode shocked somebody right like there's something wildly inappropriate that people are just like oh okay they did that this is why people create content for these platforms because it's like that well what is the fcc gonna do to us nothing they can't they have no control over it so let's just go wherever we're gonna go Absolutely. And it did go wherever it wanted to go, seemingly. So kudos to the makers behind the boys. I know Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have a little bit to say about that. So please, if you get a chance and you check out probably what I think is the best episode of the boys to date is episode six, season three, Herogasm. If you have thoughts on episode six of the boys for this season, please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com coming up next is ben arnault from smoking hot confessions he is returning to us to talk about the marvel cinematic universe where we stand in phase four and is he altogether convinced that we're going on the same path that we did 10 years ago in the previous decade of the mcu he's going to share his thoughts after the break And then after that, we're talking Sega's Hyenas and a return to glory for Sega, possibly. And also as well, we're going to be talking the 50th anniversary of Atari coming up. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
for the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. For the entire experience of barbecue grilling, there is absolutely, positively, no better place to go than Smoking Hot Confessions. You start off with SmokingHotConfessions.com. You start off with Smoking Hot Confessions everywhere on social media. You start off with Smoking Hot Confessions on YouTube. You start off with everything that you can do and be a part of with Smoking Hot Confessions, including their awesome Facebook group. But I dare you to go there on an empty stomach because you will be just amazed at all the good food on one of their Facebook groups right there for you at Smoking Hot Confessions. It is my good friend indeed. It is Ben Arnaud. And Ben, it is truly fantastic having you back on the program. You know we love to talk food and we, know we love to talk grilling, but we'll save that for the very end. But the thing we love to talk about most is pop culture. Great to have you back, my friend. Mate, it's great to be back. I feel like there's been so many things happening since we last spoke. There has been. I told you I would give you some time to go ahead and build your empire at Smoking Hot Confessions a little bit more between our conversations. So it would allow us a chance to go ahead into depth and talk about all the good things that are going on in pop culture. I mean, I tell you what, first off, we go ahead and talk about Marvel because I wanted to ask you this, and I asked you this off the air. I wanted to go ahead and preface it with Kevin Feige's recent comments about him saying that the next MCU saga will become more clear as phase four is nearing its end because it is nearing its end. So I'm hoping it'll become clearer because on the show, if you've heard my comments, you're not really hearing a clear direction of where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is as of now because the cut scenes, the end scenes, the things that have tied together in the past are not doing as quite a, as good a job as in the past. So I know myself and so many other people out there have a lot of questions on where the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes from here. It's quite interesting. There's, what, five more movies left to go, I think. What, Thor, Black Panther, Ant-Man, Guardians, and Marvels. And there's a couple of TV shows coming along as well that, you know, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. They keep saying that Secret Invasion's coming, but eh, I'm not sure. Well, that is probably coming at tail end of this year or early next year is what is it's around their schedule. Miss Marvel's currently playing on Disney+. Plus. You know, mm. a lot of people out there have caught it, so and they have their opinions on it. So we'll see there. I don't know if you've caught up with that as of yet. Love and Thunder. You know, the world premiere just happened, so it's on its way to theaters very soon. I know a lot of people are excited about that. The advanced word is that it's pretty good again. So we'll see if it's two in a row for Taika. Again, the end game, pardon the pun. It's not as clear. I mean, you know, we see these movies and we see the end scenes at the end of the movie. We try to go ahead and piece these things together. The movies, what happens in between as far as how they're being pieced together. We don't see as much as we'd like to see. I know there's there's parts of the multiverse that have been added in that are connected loosely among some of the movies, but not others. So your thoughts on this as we head to, I want to say the home stretch. Let's call it the home stretch of this phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Where do you think things stand right now heading into the future for the MCU? It's a really interesting question. We're, we're talking about phase four wrapping up. And to be honest, when you put this question to me, when you hit me up a week ago to come on the show, I was like, I wasn't even aware that phase four had really even hit its straps. The films have all felt kind of disjointed, like the, they're good films on their own, but they haven't felt like they're part of a wider connection, like the phase one, two building into phase three. So I'm kind of uh, confused myself as to, you know, what, what is the point of phase four unless it's basically going to be rebooting a t like a new team of superheroes. So we're almost back to where we were in phase one and we're starting to get just some individual films that may be loosely connected kind of sort of hinting. Although the Iron Man films were very obviously interconnected. They, they went out of their way to connect it to other movies there. 
but you know you got things like shang chi who just has a bit of a nod to the avengers at the end the eternals i don't i still don't understand why they bothered making the eternals i uh, well anyway you know i'm i am excited about seeing the new thor love and thunder film i think it's very interesting that natalie portman has come back after being so vocal about anti-comic book movies i would imagine that a dump truck full of hundred dollar bills being backed up the driveway of her house probably had something to do with it usually uh, <laughs> that and the fact i think it's she felt empowered that they asked her to bulk up for the role and that she's taking a role away from Jane Foster and more into Lady Thor, per se. I think that's something that she found very interesting and felt very empowering. That may have also been a challenge, plus the dump truck full of cash. Yeah, well, it, it would have been, as you said, far more empowering. And they, they are reaching out, trying to write stronger characters for women, which is what's coming through with characters like Valkyrie, for example, who's one of my all-time favorite characters. I think she's just fantastic. My point is that I've never really felt like there is a direction for Phase 4. Like, There's no hints as to what's coming up, except maybe it's going to be Doctor Strange versus evil Doctor Strange. I don't like, know. Just, is, that, is he the big bad for the end of Phase 4? Uh, is he also the big individual to get behind do enough people want to get behind him and his character do you see him as far as being the iron man for this generation i'm not sure that that's the case because the fact i don't see people clamoring to go ahead and anoint him as far as the leader of whatever group of avengers is assembled next i know a lot of people are going to be very interested to see how thor is going to but chris hemsworth has said he may or may not come back to the role of thor so we don't even know what's going on there but it seems to be right now that the marvel cinematic universe is kind of like in the state of flux mm. and i'm just kind of i don't want to say concerned but i don't have that feeling that i had watching in the middle part of the last decade where you could tell it was going in a a right direction as far as telling a through line a proper through line you knew thanos was somewhere in the deep dark distance somewhere in this case is the events of loki you know and what happened there it, does that mean that that that's going to play such an integral role in this future is the multiverse going to play into the role is something else is it going to be secret wars which touches on something a little bit different i'm not really sure right now and i wish that Marvel had been a little bit more clear with its intentions, at least early on. So at least as a fan base, you could continue to satisfy that need to know what's going on in the MCU. Yeah, I think that you're exactly right there. There needs to be just a teaser, like just put something at the end of one of these films that we go, oh, okay, that's where we're going. At the moment, it just kind of feels lost. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I just feel lost. Well, no, you're not the only one. I think there's a lot of other individuals as well who do feel lost with this. And I'm hopeful that come Comic-Con, because it's the first time in a couple of years that we're going to go ahead and see Marvel Comic-Con, they can go ahead and give us a clear direction on where they're going as they end Phase 4. And at eventually, I think, what, the end of 2023, early part of 2024, start going into Phase 5, when you should start seeing somewhere down the road a first Avengers type movie coming at, you know, somewhere around phase five. That's what I'm guessing at least, but it looks like right now that that's heading there. But the thing is how the direction goes in getting there to me is, is part of the issue for the simple fact is you have to go ahead and have something easily explained to the audience at large, because if we have to all work for the answers, it really makes the questions that much more difficult to understand. If they take the pot off the boil, then people are going to lose interest in superhero movies, and we're never going to get that big payoff at the end of Phase yeah. 5. Cool. Like if they don't nail this build-up, and if they don't hook people and pull people in and draw them in and get them engaged in this slowly building, progressing storyline, I mean, each of the films through Phase 1 and 2 into Phase 3, they all felt progressively tenser if that yeah. makes sense, like the stakes felt progressively higher. You know, we, we kicked it off with, you know, Tony Stark just having a fight with his mate yeah. and then built it all up from there. And it, it went from, you know, having an argument with your best friend to 
um, you know, defending the universe from a guy who wants to snap half of everything out of existence. I don't feel like there's been any progression so far. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. I don't see where exactly in the distance, in the horizon, where it's going to go. At least it's not as obvious as I want it to be or as obvious as I think it needs to be for everybody to keep progressing through. When you hinted about Thanos early on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you saw him and you started to realize what he was going after, with the Infinity Stones, it made you want to go ahead and sit through the good and the bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe during that decade, right? Mm. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to even point at one in that entire three-facing and go, that was bad. I'm thinking particularly in reference to, say, Eternals. Like, for me, Eternals is a real standout kind of low point. Iron Man 2, I'd probably say, and Thor 2, give it a a run. Yeah, yeah. There's some some low points. But at least when you watch those films, you knew that it was tying into something greater. And in Mm. fact, both in some form or fashion were mentioned or directed to when you watched Avengers Endgame, especially Thor 2 with Thor alluding to it in his inebriated state with one of the certain Infinity Stones and how he acquired and going, it went through Jane Foster and all the events of Thor 2. No matter how much you dislike that movie, it was still important to the overall picture. Flash forward 10 years later, I don't know which movies I need to watch. I don't know which movies I should be watching. I don't know if it's important when somebody asks me if it's important to watch a great deal of these movies right now because they're not really telling as close of a cohesive narrative as I'm used to seeing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm, yeah, that's well said. That's well said. And you did bring up Thor 2 there for a second. And yeah, I mean, that is ooh, Eternals or, or Thor 2. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough race to the bottom. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty disappointing right now in that sense. Even with some of the good stuff that I've seen, that I've complimented Marvel on as far as Hawkeye, as far as uh, you know, the TV shows, several of them that have been out. I have liked my time watching Loki. I have enjoyed my time watching Shang-Chi. I have enjoyed my time watching several of the components of this phase. Although they just seem to me right now just all floating out in a different directions. They just seem all, they don't even seem loosely connected. They just Mm. seem like they're all there and they're just one movie and one TV show after another. I'm saying that it just seemed to me that I was, when I was watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the last decade, that it all seemed important for me to watch, no matter how much I disliked it or no matter how much I liked it. It all just seemed like there was going to be some payoff at the end. I'm not sure I'm having that same type of feelings right now. Are you? No, not even close. Not even close. As I said at the start, I don't even know where this is going. Like, except that I'm interested in the individual characters. I don't know why anyone would be compelled to go because it's not like, oh, if you don't watch this one, then you're going to miss that next bit of the story. The thing is, if it, we have a hard time explaining it to the general audience at large, how hard is it going to be to explain it to them? And how hard is it going to be to convince them to go forward to continue watching? So, these are the major questions I know Kevin Feige has got to answer. And if anybody's going to be able to answer, if anybody's going to make it worth your time to go ahead and check out the future of the MCU, I have faith in Kevin Feige. Mm, oh, no doubt. No doubt. Now, but before we do wrap up the MCU stuff, mm-hmm. I did see one bit of good news that I did want to, to bring up. And that is that Charlie Cox is returning to the MCU as Daredevil. That is fantastic. That Daredevil series is one of my favorite things like all the movies and everything included, 
I think Daredevil is just absolutely fantastic. And I mean, maybe that's just because I'm a martial artist myself when I'm not nerding out watching movies and stuff, but I just think it was brilliant. It's far and away the most critically lauded, far and away the most popular of the Netflix Marvel series. He came over to the universe of the MCU and got introduced in Spider-Man No Way Home. And people were just loving every second of it. They were so excited for it. And Disney and Marvel and Kevin Feige, they see this. They know this. They're real smart about it. So it wasn't too long before they go ahead and say, you know what, we got to go ahead and put a series on Rome. And after having Kingpin in the Hawkeye series, and you're seeing those elements there, people are excited about that part of the universe blending in with the MCU. So that's great. Now, I'm hoping that they'll be able to play a larger picture in what is ever going on in Kevin Feige's mind or his whiteboard, wherever he's got that, as I've talked about on the show before that amazing whiteboard that has the future of the MCU in mind. So I'm hoping they'll be able to tell that tale. But as I've talked about recently, you've got the Thunderbolts that have already been announced in development. You've got Wonder Man in development. You've got a lot of these characters being thrown at everyone. And while if you're a comic fan and you already know about a lot of these characters already, it's great. But for everyone else, you got to go ahead and give a refresher course each and every time out. I understand that phase four has, like you said, has been a lot about introductions, but it also needs to be about good storytelling as well. Mm, mm. Speaking of all these new upcoming things with like the Thunderbolts and that, I wasn't actually aware that was it William Hurt who was playing General Ross? Yes. I wasn't actually aware that he'd passed away and I yes. was just doing some research this week. And I went, oh, how did I miss that? So yes. I'm actually really disappointed because I would have loved to have seen his Red Hulk. Absolutely. Um, My money is still on, even though Julia Louise Dreyfus is going to be a major part and even probably a bigger part of the assembling of the Thunderbolts. I really can't think you would do a Thunderbolts without a Thunderbolt Ross. I know that T'Challa's character in Black Panther won't be replaced, won't be, someone's not coming in to replace his character. But I think Thunderbolt Ross, and I had already this discussion on the show. I really think Thunderbolt Ross is okay enough because they've already had different Thunderbolt Rosses in the pantheon of Marvel films with Sam Elliott playing the role mm. before him. Mm. I really think that it's not as bad as if they went ahead and did a replacement for him. And with being the Thunderbolts, I really think it would be kind of awkward having a Thunderbolts without a Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you're tipping more on a uh, recast than a Star Wars style general moff or doing a cgi thing like that yeah 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 no because like you said it has to lead into a red hulk i yeah, really yeah. think the thunderbolts would have to lead into a red hulk and in order to do so you would need a mustache twirling evil laughing thunderbolt ross to go ahead and do whatever he needs to do to become red hulk and i really think in order to do that and assemble the thunderbolts in a proper way I think it would take a Thunderbolt Ross in order to do so. And you can't have it for just five minutes on the CGI to try to get away with it. I really think you would need to recast the character or bring Sam Elliott back. But, you know, is he still at an age where he's able to go ahead and do so? You just run into the same problems you did with the late William Hurt, where he was obviously not at a point in health where he could sustain being in the future plans for the MCU Unfortunately, I would have loved to see him. I think he was just an outstanding actor and all respects to him and his family on, on the loss. But I really think you do need to recast the character. And I really think he needs to be a part of whatever you do with the Thunderbolts in the MCU. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we can't keep talking about Hulks without talking about She-Hulk. Oh yeah. I... She that's on next on the agenda for Disney plus. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm a huge fan of Tatiana Maslany and, and Orphan Black. I loved watching her in, in Orphan Black and I was super excited to see her in this show. I was, cause we, we kicked this off talking about how they're writing stronger characters for women. And I was, yes. I was so excited. I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. And she then I looks saw the, really good in that role. She, I think she really is going to kill it in that role. I hope so. It seemed like they were, almost going to try and do something new because you know you can't just regender an existing character and expect female audiences to be happy with that you've got to write a strong character yeah that's um, true. and so i was really excited for that and then when they started carrying on in that trailer 
when they started uh, putting her in the dress and she's all green and hulked out but wearing a pretty dress and the other female characters are going, oh, your ass looks so good in that. Uh, I kind of went, oh, okay. Is this like She-Hulk sex in the city? You've got the opportunity here to write this like literally strong female character. You could do anything with her and you're going to sort of cheapen her like that. It just kind of felt like a cop out to me. I hope it's not a big part of, of what they're doing with this. I hope it gets to write what you and many other Marvel fans are looking for out of that series. Yeah. 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 But my friend, you know, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm hoping that Kevin Feige will allow the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this phase or phase five starting to go forward. I hope we can start seeing something a little bit more clear, starting with Thor, Love and Thunder, or maybe at the end of Miss Marvel, because we're halfway through as we speak right now. It is once again, Ben Arnell from Smoking Hot Confessions. Ben, it's been just a tremendous pleasure as always. Truly appreciate once again, you being part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Big on America. Hey guys, this is Jason Dutch with Dig on America Podcast, and I'm here with... Big Hops. And I'm also here with... Mikey Famine. Dig on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Dig on America. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much to Ben Arnault from Smoking Hot Confessions in part one of our conversation talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Part two is coming up, I believe, on Friday. We're going to go ahead and discuss the DC Universe. And with Flashpoint and the Ezra Miller issue, he has some concerns, as do I. So we elaborated at length in regards to that. Plus, he has another awesome, juicy, delicious tip for you barbecuers out there that he's going to share. And that's coming up on the Friday episode, the PC multiverse. But before we head on out, my friend, it is Josh Peterson and me, Gerald Glassford, coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Big shout out as always to our radio stations that go ahead and play us around the world. But before we head on out, my friend, Sega's hyenas. I know that like, huh? What? Sega's hyenas? What? What? This is a game that was introduced last week as a multiplayer platform shooter, but with the context of space piracy here, as you're a space pirate in a world where billionaires have launched into space and fielded their own battlefield for you to go ahead and fight and collect certain aspects of pop culture as valuable commodities. So I want to hear your thoughts. You took a look at the video, the concept of what it's all about. It's not coming on the way anytime soon, most likely next year at the earliest. Your thoughts on Sega's Hyenas before we head on out. What an honor for Elon Musk to have a video game designed around his essence, his being. <laughs> it looks cool. Like it looks, it's a very pretty looking game. And it's, it's funny because it's like ironic in the fact that like, maybe this is something that's the direction we're actually heading in so i don't know I, I i give them kudos for that but at the end of the day like it's just another multiplayer shooter and with so many of them out there is this really going to be something that besides the people who probably played ironically or like the the meme lords you know pl- diving into this will that be enough to keep people away from like the Fortnites and the you know all the other battle royale call of duty games will that be enough to bring them into this because right now we have these games creating 
worlds that people just don't ever want to leave. Could this be a revival for Sega, which has only pretty much survived off the Sonic games, the 10,000 Sonic games that they've released over the past 20 years, which is something we've talked about on the show, that they've actually done so much to go ahead and, in many ways, wring that Sonic dollar dry. I know the Sonic games of late have been a better step, and I know with Sonic Frontiers, they want to go ahead and put it in a better direction. We'll wait and see what the results of what happens there. But Sega has had a lot of misses over the years to try and create another benchmark franchise outside of Sonic. I know you mentioned Fantasy Star has been that nice little under-the-radar thing for them. I know that Alien Isolation was a nice hit, and the team behind that creative assembly is doing Sega's Hyenas. But again, when all comes down to it, there's really no other big thing that they've been able to live off of since the demise of their consoles other than Sonic. One, I know their acquisition of Atlas is another one, you know, and they've got like Valkyrie Profile and Persona games. But, you know, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking Sega's kind of like an Italian restaurant, right? Like they say, if you throw your spaghetti noodles at the wall and they stick then that's how you know you got some good spaghetti noodles. Like, I think Sega, if they were an Italian restaurant, their walls would be, like, covered in spaghetti noodles that are slowly sinking to the floor because they're like, oh, this would be a great idea, and it's stuck at first, and then they're like, oh, it's not as good as we thought. This looks like it could be cool, but it also looks like it has the ability to further tarnish the name of Sega. That is true. I mean, it could be another fail, but... I don't know about tarnishing the name of Sega because it has been tarnished in many years. Yeah, I mean, many it, just, it won't bring the spaghetti noodles back up the wall. Well, it is something, again, when it concerns Sega's hyenas, that if it works out well, could bring Sega into a greater level of consciousness outside of, oh yeah, they're the Sonic people that really would get things kickstarted for their future that elusive non-sonic hit that they've been searching for for seemingly over a decade now so we want to hear your thoughts if you've checked out sega's hyenas the first video it is scheduled to come out sometime next year we'll see what happens there just want it to be good i just want it to be something that people will get itself into please go ahead and check out sega's hyenas if you haven't already But if you have, let's hear your thoughts on Sega's Hyenas. And if you think this could be a revival for Sega with Sega's Hyenas, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out, everyone, we're going old school once again, because guess what? Speaking of old school video gaming, it is Atari, and Atari has hit 50 years. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I am old. I'm old, I'm old, because Atari has hit 50 years old as of this week. Happy anniversary, happy birthday to Atari as you hit 50. So many great memories over the years, especially everyone knows when they were hit the height of heights, when they were the video game console industry in the early part of the 80s and the late 70s with the Atari 2600 that did so well over the course of a few years before the crash of 1983 with Atari's ET being at the forefront of it. But Atari makes up so much of the story of the world of video games in the earlier part of its history. And Atari is still, to me, one of the most important parts of video game history over the course of the past 50 or so years so i want to hear your thoughts my friend as atari hits 50 this week what are your thoughts on atari's place in history as it hits 50 years old yeah well i mean you think about video games in america like atari is synonymous with that history they were out before the nintendo system they were the first people to try to like take a computer and plug it into your television They had this great idea like, oh, hey, kids love the arcades. What if we can take that arcade and plug it into your TV? They were really great at what they did. They were just never able to fully evolve with the times. You know, like when Nintendo, the NES came out, they weren't able to really keep up with any of that. You know, people were buying Nintendo games and Atari games were slowly failing. 
they tried to make a comeback a few times. You know, they've tried to make these PCs you plug into your television and it just didn't work out for me. Even the new Atari like VCS, I think it was called, that just recently dropped. Yeah, okay, well, that was just way too expensive. Yeah, I've also never seen a company like accidentally create so many collector's items. You know, like, hey, if it's your birthday, we'll make you a special birthday Atari game. And then lo and behold, that's like one of the most expensive video games. Now, if you have a copy of that, you can sell it on eBay for like crazy amounts of money. Yeah. When it comes to Atari, there's always going to be a level of love and affection for it. I mean, the fact that they were so much of a part of the early part of video game history with Pong and the influence there and then delving into the 2600. And I will tell you, living through that period of time as a kid getting his first 2600, getting that huge box and taking it out of the treasury department store. When I got it, I thought it was so special. And I thought it was just like one of the best times of my life in regards to when I got it. I was able to go ahead and plug it in and play it. I thought this was cutting edge. But thinking of how special it was, thinking of how wonderful it was, It, for many, many people out there, many boomers or Gen Xers out there, getting an Atari system was like people getting a Nintendo system later or getting a Sega or Sony system later on, or now these days getting a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X. So The thrill of a new console is always great, especially if it lands in your lap on like a holiday or birthday, you know, and you're opening the wrapping paper. I still like love going on YouTube and watching videos where people just happen to film their kids opening Sega Genesis or Super Nintendos or Nintendo 64s and like seeing the pure just joy and ecstaticness on these kids' faces. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it just was so fun to be a part of that in the early days when, again, it was either you had, I started off with Pong and then I evolved into the Atari 2600 and the Atari 2600, my friend, that was, it was it. I mean, there there was just Pong. And then after that, the Atari 2600 blew up. Everybody wanted a piece of that. So they made their own counterfeit or semi based off of Atari 2600 system where, okay, it, it played Atari 2600 like games and it looked like the Atari 2600 and it acted and played it. But The Atari 2600 still was so dominant in the industry up until the crash of 1983 that it's really going to be hard to ever get back to that with so much competition now. But it will always have its legacy when it concerns the past and what the history of is. And I now ask you, with the future of Atari still in question as it hits its 50th anniversary, they're trying to go ahead and make themselves relevant once again. We talked about Sega making itself relevant outside of a sonic realm. Atari is trying to go ahead with that process little by little. Their games are still no more at the level of what you say would be a, a popular indie maker would be as far as the level of look and feel. They are going to be releasing in the not-too-distant future Atari Mania, which is an adventure game, but still different in that fact that it has samples of about 150 of their previous titles mixed into the story and weaved into the storyline that you were going to go ahead and navigate through. So I think that's a creative idea that could be a hit for Atari once again. But are you hoping, like I am, that we could find success for Atari? And do you think it will ever be relevant once again? I think Atari's made a lot of really like stupid choices over the years. And I think that they have these people who own them. You know, it's kind of like it reminds me of like when Ron Perlman owned Marvel Comics. Like you have these people running their company that doesn't really know they're just like eccentrics that don't really know much about or hedge funds or stuff like that yeah because i know like they had this like nft hotel that they tried to do and then covid happened and then that tanked hard and then you know like i said they tried to put out the atari vcs which is basically just a computer you plug into your tv but at that point with a 400 price point why don't you just buy a ps5 or xbox series x and they've made a lot of really poor choices so if I were them, you know, I would seek out Microsoft or Sony or I mean, I don't think Nintendo would touch them, but like Microsoft or Sony and work with them to try to like bring Atari 
created games back to consoles instead of trying to create a new console because they're so far behind in the competition now. It just doesn't seem like it's it would be a worthy investment or that they would have the funds to do that. Well, Atari Mania hopefully will be a step in the right direction because it is looking like a game that's going to be fun. It has that 8-bit look and feel that I think a lot of people might like or nostalgia reaching to that element of it. And the fact that it has a sampling of over 150 titles from the Atari library might be a cool addition as you navigate through. So I'm hoping Atari Mania will get more and more looks at it and hopefully get sometime a release date or window that we can go ahead and expect it. And this could be the start of something special for Atari to become big once again. But I do not hold my hopes so high because of the fact, like you said, Atari has had, I guess, since the fall of the Atari 5200 way back when. Yeah. Or the 78 or 100, the Jaguar was a failure. I mean, since then, there's just been failure after failure after failure for anyone who has owned mm-hmm. or operated the Atari brand. It would take a lot to save them at this point. Like, it seems like no matter what they do, it just pushes them further and further out the door. So, I mean, unless there is some kind of acquisition by another company that actually knows what they're doing, I don't see them prospering. Well, and it's we'll sad to say because, like, they have quite the legacy. They do have quite the legacy. 50 years now, this week, 50 years of legacy as of this week. We do wish Atari all the best. And hopefully, going forward, that we will see a rise of the Atari brand once again in people's eyes so that a younger generation of gamers can go ahead and experience what I loved and I know you got a taste of as far as experiencing with Atari. But it is the 50th anniversary of Atari. We do wish everyone at Atari all the best on that and cannot thank you enough for all that you've done to go ahead and provide us with what we see in the video game world. I mean, we wouldn't be playing the PlayStation, Nintendo, and also the Xbox and PC gaming right now to the level that we do without the love of Atari so many years ago. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and, and anyone interested, there's a lot of good Atari documentaries out there, but the best one is the one that has the uh, Ready Player One writer going to find yeah. the cartridges in New Mexico. That one's fun. Love that documentary. That was actually yeah. amazing. And Yes, there was actually some truth to those rumors. I thought that was just conspiracy theories and hearsay about buried cartridges in the New Mexico mm-hmm. desert, but it turned out to be the case. It That's turned right. out to be the case indeed. That is right. Yeah. So happy birthday, Atari. If you've seen the ride all the way through for Atari, yes, like me, you are old, unfortunately. Sorry to say that, but Yar. But are There's you also an Atari game called Yar, so that's cool. Yars Revenge. That's great. <laughs> but please let us know your thoughts on Atari hitting its 50th anniversary. What are your memories of Atari? We'd love to know. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com plus everywhere you get your social media. Tell us your stories about Atari hitting 50. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Endless thoughts before we head on out. Yeah, actually, I watched Morbius this past week, and I see why everyone hated it so much. But it bums me out that there was a lot of potential for that movie to like have some cool things in it. But they spent more time on spectacle than storytelling and character development, and I think that ultimately really ruined what could have been a cool thing. I agree with you, my friend. Morbius was a missed opportunity, and unfortunately, it's going to still lead to more with Craven Hunter and all the other things that we see in the Spider Man universe. It's going to be hit and miss from this except, point forward. Except Spider Man. Except for Spider Man. But with Sony slinging those webs, we're going to see a lot more hits and misses because they love those spider dollars and that ultimately counts for them the most. So sling those webs, my friend, because we're going to see more from the Spider-Verse in the not-too-distant future. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.